my name is Laura Dawn, and you're listening to episode number 60 of the Psychedelic Leadership Podcast, featuring my conversation with Peruvian therapist, Claudia Cuentes. Being in right relationship has to do with being able to listen to what is around you and really take to heart what you're observing, tracking. Being in right relationship means showing up humbly, to be present, to be vulnerable. Being in right relationship means acknowledging that we're always in a symbiotic relationship of giving and receiving. And that connects to Aini directly, which is in the in Quechua, in our, our indigenous language, one of them, it means sacred reciprocity. So how are we constantly acknowledging that life itself is in sacred reciprocity with life itself? And then for us, as we walk in life, we're always creating ripples. No matter what we do, even if we don't do anything, there's some ripples happening. And if we can be aware and responsible for the ripples that are being created as we move, as we think, as we speak, as we envision, as we collaborate, then we can acknowledge then this symbiotic relationship is not just between humans, it's between the plant kingdom, the mineral kingdom, the mushroom kingdom. Um, is between earth and sky and fire and water, is between all the seasons. I mean, we can go from the microcosmos to the macrocosmos, and everything is in relationship to itself. So there is um, a knowing and an acknowledgement and being in sacred right relationship or sacred reciprocity with life means standing for life, generating life, defending life, protecting life, and allowing life to continue blossoming into new life. Uh, with everything we do, uh, with everything we we uh, connect with, and in everything in everything we envision. So really, medicine is about being more human, and not losing the value of what humanity means, like what being human means. So all this work we're doing is to be a better human, a more human, and to not lose the value of what human means, which is life which is preservation of life, continuity of life for the next seven generations to come. There are words embedded in languages from other cultures that we don't have in the English language that carry an enormous amount of wisdom. And when we learn these words and the depth of meaning that they carry, they can unlock a way of perceiving, a way of understanding that can completely shift our orientation towards life, and can deeply influence the way we choose to show up and lead in all aspects of our lives. Aini, A-Y-N-I, is one of those words. And this is a Quechua word, and it's honestly, it's more than just a word. It's a living Andean philosophy and practice that points to an embodied understanding of our symbiotic relationship with all of life and how to meet life with balance, harmony, and an equilibrium of exchange and mutuality. And Aini is related to this concept of right relationship, which is just another just incredibly profound and powerful concept that I actually spend quite a lot of time thinking about and contemplating. If I had to distill everything I've learned from 25 years of journeying with sacred plant medicines into a few nuggets of wisdom, right relationship would be 
really at the core of that wisdom. And I think this is an especially important concept to weave into leadership and leadership development training. And my guest today, Claudia Cuentas, speaks so eloquently to these topics. And there's so much wisdom shared in this conversation that can be applied to leadership. And so I invite you to really listen to what Claudia speaks to through the leadership lens, whether you're a guide, a facilitator, a coach, executive, a mother or a father, it doesn't matter. These are all forms of leadership. And these concepts are super applicable to the way that we show up and lead in all aspects of our lives. And such a core theme woven throughout this whole conversation with Claudia that she points to numerous times, is learning how to slow down and really slow down enough so that we can learn how to listen, deeply listen, and learn how to train our senses to pay attention to a different dimension of reality that's so much more subtle than we can perceive with the eyes, you know, the, the realm of energy. And this is where healing resides, which is really powerful to contemplate because there's another layer to this reality that we can't see with our eyes. And when we learn how to attune to it, we orient towards a different way of showing up to meet life, which comes back to right relationship which oftentimes starts by stepping into right relationship with ourselves and with our bodies. And we talk about the wisdom inherent in our bodies in this conversation as well, which is such a big part of somatic experiencing, somatic awareness, and learning these practices of embodiment, which are actually really crucial to effective leadership, to cultivating emotional intelligence and self-awareness, slowing down so that we can really listen to the intuitive wisdom that is inherent in our bodies. This is a core aspect of leadership. And Claudia speaks to listening as a daily practice. And we talk about forgiveness as a daily practice and other self-healing practices as well. We talk about integrity and right relationship with power and decolonizing the concept of what power means. And it really struck me when she said, standing in power is standing in humbleness, which is such an integral aspect of leadership. So much of what she speaks about comes back to being in service. How can we be in service to life? And I really want to sing Claudia's praises for a moment because she is such a special human being with such an extensive background. And I just can't emphasize enough how much I love speaking with Claudia. She is a Peruvian marriage and family therapist, an independent researcher and an educator specializing in the treatment of healing trauma, trauma recovery, cultural identity, and decolonization of healing. And I know this has been a, a topic, you know, I've heard people talking a lot about decolonizing the mind in the psychedelic space. And the way that Claudia speaks to this concept is really fascinating. She speaks to it from a lens of creativity, which I just found really interesting. 
She has training in MDMA-assisted psychotherapy from MAPS and ketamine-assisted psychotherapy from Polaris Institute. She holds an MA in drama therapy and expressive arts therapy and has completed her three years of training of somatic experiencing and also holds a trauma-informed care frame of work. She also has extensive studies for the last 15 years in indigenous healing from her native Aymara and Quechua lineages of South America and has been given permission by her elders to teach and share her studies for health and wellness. Claudia started her journey as an educator and advocate of art as a tool for healing and liberation. In becoming a therapist at the California Institute of Integral Studies, CIIS, Claudia focused on serving immigrant communities, families, and children. She is now the cultural director of Alma Institute, an Oregon-based nonprofit psychedelic training and mentorship program. And in case you haven't heard of Alma, they just have such a powerful mission— And their mission is to strengthen and diversify the network of legal psychedelic facilitators by offering prioritized enrollment and certification opportunities to members of systematically oppressed and low-income communities. And Claudia continues to participate in ongoing training and education on the intersectionality of generational trauma, plant medicine science, eco-informed therapy, nervous system healing, and continues to develop and implement curriculum to support community healing from an indigenous perspective. On top of all of that, Claudia is also a recorded medicine musician, a singer-songwriter, and the founder of Canta Colibri Project, and I'll be featuring her song Cura Corazon from her album Alma at the end of this episode. And now that I'm living in Costa Rica full-time, I've been taking Spanish classes, and for those of you who don't know, Alma, which is also the name of her album and the Alma Institute, in Spanish, Alma means soul or spirit. And so before we dive into this episode, I also just wanted to let you know that enrollment is open for the next cohort of my psychedelic leadership women's mastermind called Your Message is Your Medicine starting October 26th. And this is an eight-week intensive program. And if you are a medicine woman entrepreneur and you'd like to align with your authentic voice, carve out your niche in the psychedelic space, reach a wider audience with your core message and start cultivating a unique offering that is truly an extension of your zone of genius, then this program, Your Message is Your Medicine, is for you. You can find everything that this program entails by going to lauradon.co and you'll see in the navigation bar a link for Your Message is Your Medicine or I'll do a direct link to the landing page in the show notes. And if you sign up before October 14th, you can still get access to the early bird pricing. Okay, a couple more brief notes before we dive into this conversation with Claudia. This is episode 60, and this is the last episode I'm going to be releasing for season two of the podcast. I'm going to pause as I am revamping my podcast strategy a little bit, and I'm really excited about what's to come for season three. And I'll be releasing a couple of bonus episodes over the next month or so. 
I'm in a bit of a personal transition right now. I'm going back to Hawaii to officially close that chapter. So I have a pretty big journey ahead of me. And I'm coming back to nestle into a piece of land that I've really fallen in love with here in Costa Rica. And so I'm going to be moving onto that land at the beginning of November. And hopefully this is going to be the last move that I have to embark on in a very long time. Also, in this episode, Claudia speaks very softly, and at times it might be a little hard to understand what she's saying. I've honestly re-listened to this episode about five times already because there's just so much wisdom that she shares. I mean, so much of what she says is just incredibly profound. And just in case you didn't know, I post full transcripts to each episode, and you can access that transcript and all the resources mentioned in this episode by going to lauradon.co forward slash 60. And on my website, lauradon.co, there is a free downloads tab where I have a lot of different free opt-ins plant medicine integration guides, a free eight-day microdosing course, how to have a safe journey at home. There's really a lot there to dive into. And if you've enjoyed listening to season one and season two of the podcast, I would so appreciate it if you could take a moment to leave me a review on iTunes or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or hit the five-star rating and subscribe on Spotify. This way you'll get notified when the first episode of season three is released. All right, friends, that's all from me. Thank you so much for continuing to tune into the podcast. Without any further ado, here is my fascinating conversation with Claudia Quentes. Well, it was so nice the first time that we met. Mm-hmm. We were speaking together for Entheo Wheel, which is so beautiful. And I knew I wanted to connect with you more. And then just reading your bio, I honestly, I just can't believe what an extensive background you have. <laughs> it's like really just so, so impressive. Mm-hmm. And you're able to really hold not only this lineage and Peruvian lineage, but you've done so much extensive training mm-hmm. from art therapy and somatic experience. Experiencing mm-hmm. and having training in MDMA therapy and ketamine therapists, like wow. <laughs> and now you're the cultural director of Alma Institute, which I'm really excited to dive into. And I was just thinking maybe we could just start by you sharing your your lineage from Peru. And maybe from there, going right into this core concept that we we know we want to explore in this conversation together around this this foundational concept of Aini that mm-hmm. really comes from your roots and your lineage. Beautiful. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. And um, let's see. I I was born in Peru, um, and I've been here since I was eighteen years old. I didn't think I was going to come to the States and live in the States ever in my life. I come from a family that is an Aymara Mestizo family. So from my father's side of the family, we come from the Aymara region of Huancane, um, on the other side of the Titicaca Lake, the frontier with Bolivia. And that's where the roots of my father's lineage comes from. And um, from my mother, I come from Arequipa, which is also in the south, a little bit northern from Puno, but next to it. So my background is growing up with dance and music and song and coming together many generations and being 30 or 40 people at my grandparents' tiny little apartment all the time. (laughs) You know, people that actually, because I grew up in the city, in Lima, 
and eventually all the family from my, especially my father's side of the family migrated to the city to go to university, to do schooling and all of them uh, connected to social justice. So I come also from a strong lineage of people that has fought for uh, social justice, workers' rights, uh, indigenous rights. And, you know, my grandfather has been incarcerated. My father was incarcerated, incarcerated deported and exiled from the country many, many times. And um, growing up within a family of deep thinkers and uh, activists, for me, it meant just always having this sense of community within and this sense of how do we um, support each other? How do we listen to one another? How do we come together over and over and over? So coming here to the States at age 18 was a big shock. And I came to study music. I was a music student at the Music Conservatory in, in Peru, in Lima, for uh, all my high school years, as well as the years after high school. And uh, I got a scholarship to come to the States to study music. And I came, and I stayed much longer than what I imagined. And within that, uh, just many doors open, many doors closed too. It was very difficult to be here as an immigrant at 18. I didn't know much English. And uh, I knew music as a language that I share. And um, I continued my studies with music, which then took me to really pause and go, okay, so what is truly what I want to to do and the inquiry about healing and healing practices and the potency of music being able to transform life and transform emotions and transform just going back to dancing at my grandmother's <laughs> and singing together and the sense of belonging always then kind of got guided my work and from there I started to inquiry about music and healing, expressive arts, art as a healing tool. And then that took me to wanting to study more the body, then psychology, because of wanting to understand the mind, then the energetic body, which then um, took me back to my own roots to study deeply with teachers from the Andes, which I have a deep relationship with. And, and now we're here. I find myself in Oregon, Portland, from all places being part of this um, big movement of people wanting to understand more on how to actually return to roots to do healing work. And it's so needed. It makes so much sense, but there's also so much work to do there to, as we all say, to make that happen in a good way, in a way where all of it is tended to and accounted for in a circle. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so you're the cultural director of Alma Institute. And so what does that mean to be a cultural director? What it means director? is I'm kind of the person that does the liaison with all the communities you know, that we're working with. And in some ways, I've been doing that for a long time. Just happens to, you know, Alma Institute invited me to, to, to actually do it uh, with the awareness and this education desire to create a allyship between communities. It was deeply connected also to communities growth, communities remembrance, communities health and dignity. And so I am the person that are working with native communities in the area and informing and sharing what ALMA stands for, as well as the black and immigrant community here. So it really is about building relationship and building trust amongst our relationships. Uh, relationships take time. Trust takes time to develop and it's a beautiful dance to be in. 
to say, um, we're here together. So also requires a lot of listening. And in this, through ALMA, in this way, the stigmatizing plant medicine, so the communities have the opportunity if they want to, to return to their original ways of knowing for their well-being and the well-being of their circles and their extended uh, families and communities. Mm -hmm. And for those who don't know about ALMA, I'm also just learning about the mission of ALMA and it's actually a really incredible organization. I would love for people to check out the website, almatraining.org. And if you feel like just sharing a little bit about what the mission of ALMA is before we start diving into some of these other topics of Aini and reciprocity and community bridge building, maybe we could just share just a foundation of, of yes. the mission of ALMA. So ALMA is rooted in uh, reciprocity. It's an organization. It's, a, it's the only nonprofit uh, uh, Institute right now that is offering training on psychedelic, excuse me, on psilocybin assisted psychotherapy. Um, and it is rooted in wanting to offer this training specifically for Black, Brown, and Indigenous community, uh, also for the LGBTQ community, as well as communities that are uh, neurodivergent. So uh, we are rooted in a desire to have equity and accessibility a desire to acknowledge indigenous knowing and indigenous knowledge, a desire to be in reciprocity and good and right relationship with the land where we are and with the communities that we interact, and to really highlight that healing is our birthright. And in order for us to access our own healing, we have to also acknowledge that there is a decolonization process that has to happen in our thinking, in our being. So we are committed to education, empowerment, solidarity, listening, and being in right relationship with the communities we work with. Um, and, 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 be, and because of that, ALMA is, of course, an organism that continues to grow and change because to be in right relationship means listening both ways. So we continue to be um, committed to this proposal as well as humbly learning in the process. When you think of this concept of right relationship, how would you describe that for people? And is that deeply connected to being raised in a culture that embodied a knowing of this concept of, of Aini? Mm -hmm. Being in right relationship um, has to do with being able to listen to what is around you and really take to heart what you're observing, tracking, being in right relationship means showing up humbly to be present, to be vulnerable. Being in right relationship means acknowledging that we're always in a symbiotic relationship of giving and receiving. And that connects to Aini directly, which is in the in Quechua, in our, our indigenous language, one of them, it means sacred reciprocity. So how are we constantly acknowledging that life itself is in sacred reciprocity with life itself? And then for us, as we walk in life, we're always creating ripples. No matter what we do, even if we don't do anything, there's some ripples happening. And if we can be aware and responsible for the ripples that are being created as we move, as we think, as we speak, as we envision, as we collaborate, then we can acknowledge then this symbiotic relationship is not just between humans, it's between 
the plant kingdom, the mineral kingdom, the mushroom kingdom, um, is between earth and sky and fire and water, is between all the seasons. I mean, we can go from the micro cosmos to the macrocosmos and everything is in relationship to itself. So there is um, a knowing and an acknowledgement and being in sacred by relationship or sacred reciprocity with life means standing for life, generating life, defending life, protecting life, and allowing life to continue blossoming into new life. Uh, with everything we do, uh, with everything we we uh, connect with, and in everything in everything we envision, which then I will tie it to is ultimately service, service to life. You know, this concept of connects deeply to the healing processes of of, of then we're inviting people to consider and be part of, which is know yourself, to heal yourself, to allow yourself to be aligned to purpose to be of service. That is Aini, mm. the reciprocal support and protection of life towards more life and more health. When I say life, I mean health. Mm -hmm. So it seems like they're very interconnected concepts, right relationship and sacred reciprocity, but they are also distinctly yes. different. Yes. Sacred reciprocity, Aini, is happening at all times, regardless of us being involved in it. This, this, this is the way life moves. Being in right relationship is being in right relationship with the acknowledgement that that is happening at all times. And the conscious decision to say, we are going to listen, we're going to acknowledge, we're going to soften enough, slow down enough, calm the internal system enough to acknowledge that there is something else happening besides what I can see with my eyes or hear it with my ears. There's some life moving through and to be in right relationship means to acknowledge that that is happening and how consciously do I choose to be in that mm. at all times mm -hmm. or in connection to that life force at all times. Mm. I really appreciate that. In my own experience, I've found that one of the the gems and the wisdom teachings of sacred plant medicines is that they show us how to pay attention to subtlety, to energy, to slow down, you know, to tune into a different way of perceiving. And I'm curious if that's been your experience, if there's anything that you'd like to share about that related to sacred plant medicine specifically and to ceremony and how those experiences can actually train us to be in right relationship and really embody the understanding on a real somatic level of what it means to be in sacred reciprocity. When in communion, in relationship with plant medicine, um, what, what we have the opportunity to do is to allow something to soften so much in the internal mechanism, in the internal bodies, in the internal somatic body, then our senses grow so acute to other realms of reality. So when we talk about plant medicine, we can talk about the ability to, or not the ability, but the invitation to uh, soften the veil so we can perceive the, what we call the multiverse or what we call the different aspects of the different um, uh, worlds that exist within this world and within many worlds. So 
the ability these medicine master plants have to soften us with them, to be able to listen in a different way, to perceive in a different way, to sense in a different way. As we um, continue to, to study these and to learn about ourselves in the process, what we're doing is we're saying, yes to sensitivities with it and there's people that have studied these and continues to share this you know one of my dear teachers Carmen Vicente and one of our dear students and teacher too Natalia Contese has is doing a complete beautiful study of how our senses um how in indigenous knowledge and indigenous traditions senses are the things that get trained from the beginning of life to actually sensorial awareness, acute sensorial awareness, to be able to walk through a forest or to walk to walk through anywhere and perceive all those sounds and all those smells, all those scents, all those visuals, and listen and be in communion and relationship with that plant, with that bird, with that tree, with our stream. So we have a beautiful opportunity and a huge responsibility because as we enter these realms and become um, aware of them, then the concept of being in right relationship also applies. How are we in right relationship when the river is saying, come and sing to me, sit next, come next to me and sing to me, that will help me. Or as we are coming out and there's specific birds singing outside. I mean, these senses have been trained through millennia in all indigenous and original peoples of the earth. Is the West that moves so fast that has forgotten and all these uh, acute uh, gifts exist within us, especially to be in right relationship with everything around us. Hmm. I want to connect a dot here. Um, between this development of the senses and understanding what it means to embody sacred reciprocity and and right relationship and the nervous system, Mm -hmm. especially with your background of three years of training and somatic experiencing. And I sat with ayahuasca last weekend and one of the core just reminders was just tuning into the subtlety of the nervous system. And I noticed, you know, I just went through this really big move. I mean, I was only in Austin for eight months, but I had been living on the big island for 10 years outside and being in Austin in a city and just like noticing how much more upregulated my nervous system was. And the medicine just reminded me around okay, time to breathe and downregulate. And this past month has been like packing up my, this apartment that I had and just, you know, getting everything dialed and moving in with, you know, seven checked bags at the airport, just like the whole move to make it down to Costa Rica was just a lot of go, go, go. And the medicine was reminding me the importance of being in alignment, in deep alignment with a frequency of prayer and Mm. clarity in my life, in my heart, that actually it, it is very deeply connected to being in deep regulation with the nervous system. So I'm curious, what's, what's your thoughts about that? And what's your own thinking process around that? Studying the nervous system is just so fascinating. Because as I have moved through life and do all these inquiries and studies and wanting to know more about these different aspects, the nervous system for me is 
the glue then puts it all together. The physical body, the mental, psychological body, and the spirit body is this kind of like unifier in the middle of it that allows all these three aspects to, to interact through an electrical current that happens through all of our bodies and it happens through all everything that is alive. So um, if we can notice our electrical system and in some ways it is the constant life force energy moving through us at all times, available to us at all times in healing processes. When we work with medicine, what medicine is doing, regardless of what medicine we're working with, when we're working with these master plans, what master plans are doing, they are unlocking and and blocking the channels where the life force energy current passes through to align ourselves to health, to pure health. So as you say, you know, you've been busy and moving through a lot and probably a sensitive person going through so many things without being necessarily able to process them or, or um, cleanse, cleanse them or move them through. You sit in a medicine ceremony and the medicine goes, okay, let's just clean all the channels. Let's just open up again all those channels so then life force energy can return to its most natural state of health. Um, And it's a beautiful example because nowadays we need that practice so much. And in in original communities, in indigenous communities, people will sit with medicine in specific moments where healing needed to happen, where uh, maybe a birth, a baptism, a union, a death will happen and needed to be acknowledged when the community needed to resolve um, a difficulty or, or come up with uh, creative solutions to tend to intense, difficult problems. But then the practice of those teachings will be every day or are every day. So the invitation is, so now we get this golden nuggets sitting with our plant medicine and how do we practice and create practices in our everyday. We call here now meditation, mindfulness, and ability to sit still, um, contemplate nature uh, because that will allow our nervous system to really reset to uh, its natural state of health. Especially we have a view of 360 degrees. There's all these things that we know now, especially we are practicing with our breathing, just this ability we have to be resilient in the muscle mm-hmm. um, and in the system that is the nervous system, the fascinating nervous system. Yeah. Yeah. In ceremony, she was so specific. She was giving me daily practice instruction and, you know, I have a a pretty solid morning practice and all of that, but she was like 15 minutes every morning, wake up and lay on your back and breathe and relax into the feeling of home in your body. That was the, this very specific message. I was like, okay, check, you know? And, and I also feel like just being in tune with the frequency of nature. And that was one thing, you know, contrast is always so, so valuable, you know, and being in, in the city, it's the first time I've lived in a city in 20 years. So being in a city and then just recognizing just how, how much just simply looking at the mountains here from my balcony in Chiripo, just how much even just visually seeing beauty is such a, a source of, of replenishment and nourishment on such a cellular level and how much nature can just offer that 
beauty to us as a way of 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 deeply recalibrating in our bodies and our nervous systems. And I think that so many people just haven't had this experience in so many years that they, it's just like we forget. <laughs> we need to like remember to remember how much nature is medicine. Yes, very much. I mean, we um, in many ways as we sit with a master plant, what we're doing is we're becoming them. We're becoming nature, we're becoming a plant, we're becoming a just a little flower on the side, you know, just simplifying the process and returning to the most simple. As one of my teachers always says, returning to the most simple is the most potent. Mm. Taking a breath, looking at something beautiful, allowing the senses to really track nuances of color, nuances of temperature, nuances of sound, mm. nuances of landscape. Breathing again. It's a humbling experience because when we are living in the West, there's so much, so fast, all the time moving. Um, we lose track of these most potent, simple things in our our way to getting back home, which is our bodies, which is our centers, then then allows us there to envision, listen. Um contemplate, understand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. From your way of relating to sacred plant medicines, do you consider these medicines to be really high frequency energies? It's kind of curious of your thinking around that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. They, they are, um, they're teachers and teachers moving really high frequency ways. We talk about frequency specifically. Um, they are deeply connected with uh, laughter and joy, which is ultimately health. Mm -hmm. And then you listen to a child giggle and you just feel the health in that giggle, uh, regardless of, of, of uh, maybe the 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 situation there's something that happens in our human body in our in our experience but we just remember remember this um, innate sense of laughter and giggle and those are very high frequency experiences when we're laughing we're not thinking about anything else but laughing mm -hmm. when we're in joy we're not experiencing anything else but joy mm -hmm. so yes these teachers are I believe that's why we call them masters mm -hmm. because they do move in a very high frequency. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so interesting that you just named joy because that was such a, a strong frequency that was coming through that last ceremony too. And actually, I'm also I'm I'm falling in love with a new man in my life right now, and it's such a a sweet, yeah, deep remembrance oh. in my body and in the ceremony there was this moment where I felt like the frequency of joy was just going through my meridians and like templating my energetic body at that frequency of joy. It's like, I felt it. I was like sharing it with him. We, we sat together in the ceremony. It was so sweet. And there was just so much laughter and so much joy. And I was sharing that with him after we closed the circle. It was like, oh my gosh, there was just joy moving through all the meridians in my body. I could like 
like really feel it, but it was this way that it was like templating my body, you know, and offering this blueprint of how much can mm -hmm. you open to goodness in your life? How much can you open your heart? How much can you raise your frequency and be in joy in your life? was really profound. <laughs> that sounds wonderful and beautiful. It's like a whole recalibration of your whole system to mm. have this template access, access. Mm. So you do access this template so well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to know what, what does your daily practice look like? Mm -hmm. uh, my daily practice, uh, it, it changes. It continues to change nowadays is sitting and just being in what I would call meditation or just releasing at the beginning of the day. So having a moment to enter my, my ceremonial space, light a candle, be able to breathe and just listen and listen to, you know, to the, to the different bodies um, from a specific frame or prayers that I'm working with you know there's like a few that I'm holding right now and maybe those change over time so from that lens looking at the template how is my template doing and what is needed and then from the microcosmos then extending that to the macro so how mm -hmm. how after 15-20 minutes and how is all these in the internal in the internal world then expanding towards the outer layers um and then being able to envision and listening to the outer you know to what what comes for the day what is what is close here uh, during the day what is um, needed to be tended to and then i do a specific practice of uh, the andean traditional healing which is specific um or i guess protection or sealing then happens in the andean traditional healing when we we practice with one of my teachers as well for many many years just to be able to see clearly you know the uh, part of it is may i be able to see and look hear and listen speak and talk mm -hmm. be able to actually see between the nuances of the realms when mm -hmm. i am interacting with the world so i can be of service in the best possible way to these changes and new times we're living in mm -hmm. and with integrity of it all yeah mm -hmm. mm. last month i was invited by grandmother jyoti and indigenous elders from the mother earth delegation to accompany them to meet with the mamos and the kogis in colombia and one of the elders that I was spending time with was Kurikindi, an Ecuadorian shaman, beautiful man, just a heart of gold. And on the last morning that we were there, he really just offered me just this sort of transmission and teachings for me specifically. Wow. And he said, wow. um, you know, it's time to polish. You need to polish yourself to, you know, <laughs> go to this next level. And, and he said, um, I can see that there's different ways that you're you're leaking fear and mm. that you need to enhance your protection. Mm. And I, I asked him, okay, you know, I'm familiar with protection practices, but what does that mean for me? Like what what do you recommend for me to engage in a practice that is about, you know, protecting my my field and my energy? And just without even skipping a beat, he said, 
when you trust in your path, you are protected. Yes. And I just thought that was so (laughs) profound. It's like simple wisdom, but the depth of that, you know, I I actually came back from Columbia, went to Austin and I did a, a solo sit with the medicine to actually just fully receive that, that core of that teaching, like into my body on a cellular level. And I just, so many layers of the profundity of that that wow. I really witnessed actually, you know, because mostly, yeah, I've been just experiencing this mm, without going into too much detail with the launch of Grow Medicine have, have experienced, yeah, being a a white woman leading something that is really engaging in this conversation of reciprocity and right relationship and indigenous led projects. And there has been these, these places within myself of like, am I okay? Is this okay? Am I saying the wrong thing? Am I, you know, and it actually has just, it's, it it has impacted me on a, on a, in a certain way. And he just pointed that right out. Like it, it was just, it was something that has been present for me. And I had just come out on the other side of the launch of Grow Medicine. And, you know, I'm usually someone who really trusts my path, but there's mm-hmm. a wavering in this, you I know? Mm-hmm. And and I'm so curious to actually hear your take on this, especially around these concepts right now that are so up in the psychedelic space. Like reciprocity is such a big topic. And when I talk to people about it, there's like layers of just like guilt and shame around the whole conversation. And I'm like, oh gosh, we really need to template a new frequency, a new way of how we engage in these conversations without it being like, throwing shit at each other that's just not helpful. So I'm I'm curious if you have anything to speak to about that. Yes. Um in the process of healing and this is, you know, I I can tell you from a, from a different lens or from the lenses where I observe this being here for so many years coming from where I come from. Um there's so much repair that needs to happen within self um, in this uh, culture in the West. There's so much that has happened uh, with uh, how indigenous communities were treated, but even before that, generations before that, of where people has come from, the concept of trauma, the concept of pain, the concept of generational trauma, and how people has carried this generational trauma and passed it on from generation to generation to generation, has to be something that we acknowledge, study, open up, and and look at. And when we look at something that is painful, the most natural, the most natural way to go about it, just like a child will do, is to emote, to feel it, to release it. Because we do know that in the in the Andean traditional healing practices, emoting is healing. Emoting is feeling. And when you feel something, you release it. And when you release it, you hear it. There's no way to skip the steps. So as we are tracking, and I believe as we are standing and making prayers for integrity and to walk with integrity, we're tracking ourselves and not just ourselves, but different parts of ourselves develop and, and, and aligning in different ways because they're connected to these multiverses of generations before us. Then 
how do we help and allow ourselves to be compassionate and curious and humbled in the process so we can tend to the parts that are still grieving something that maybe happened generations ago. But there has to be a model or there has there, there, there has to be several models to hold grief mm. of the collective because this is not just personal, it's truly collective. As we do uh, work on generational trauma and more uh, research, we understand that the pain that is moving through us often is not just ours. It might be from our parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents. So we in some ways have an ability to transmute and transform something that didn't have the ability to be transmuted or transformed before. So it is a wonderful opportunity and also a lot of work. So as we are aligning ourselves to integrity, and asking all the parts of us to be in right relationship with themselves and with life. There are moments where we will need to, we will feel these um, ways in which we move that are uncomfortable. And we can maintain curiosity within that because there might be something very important underneath it. There's so much need there's so much um, healing needed in, for so for all of us, and it's not because um, uh, one of my teachers says it's not because there's something wrong with us, but it's actually because there is a need to tend to that which is uh, not quite at ease to bring it into ease. So, mm-hmm. if we take the time, if we are curious. We have safe spaces and safe enough to enter with help. Um, we can actually listen to what a part of self needs and tend to it. You know, as, mm-hmm. as the medicine ceremony told you, listen and you will, you know, you do this practice for 15 minutes and your whole body will get used to this new way, this, this new bl- blueprint you have access to. It is a practice, it is a muscle, it's a, it's a constant uh, practice of compassion, humbleness, listening, and um, not taking yourself too seriously either, right? Mm-hmm. Being in that possibility of zooming in deeply and then zooming out, releasing. It's like mm-hmm. same talking, like contracting and releasing, mm-hmm. just like everything in life, the inhale and the exhale. But this, this, yeah, this theme about guilt and shame in the West is a big theme that needs tending and it's, there's so much that hasn't been acknowledged. So there's so much grief that needs to move through for it to realign to health. So mm. creating a spaces to hold the grief and the shame without judgment, but with compassion mm-hmm. to allow that um, health process to happen is one of the most important endeavors of these times as well mm. we need everybody on board there's so much work to do <laughs> yeah I mean that was really just 
so much wisdom shared there and just such a um, framework and a recipe for moving through this time, just to reiterate, naming, creating safe spaces, bringing the medicine of curiosity, of compassion, of listening, of understanding, of non-judgment. I mean, you really named quite a, quite a framework there of being able to hold it and then weaving in this other thread of nervous system regulation and noticing that when there is a lot of, of trigger and a lot of this, you know, guilt and shame, it's like an upregulation of the nervous system. And, you know, that was that message, that reminder of like, okay, find that balance, downregulate, find that balance between your parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous mm -hmm. systems. And that that's actually unlocks a portal to healing and being able to be present, be with, listen, hold it, you know, hold it with, with levity, you know, that's the other piece, like yes. not try to grapple with it, but just mm -hmm. actually how do mm -hmm. I hold it in the center? My, one of my favorite spiritual teachers, Pema Chodron, she talks about, you know, staying on the dot, like just really staying on the dot, sitting in the center of it. And I, I do think that medicines really teach us how to sit in the middle of discomfort without bolting. <laughs> There's nowhere to go. I mean, you can go in your mind and, and, you know, resist in your mind, but how do we just actually learn to come back over and over and over again, which really is strengthened through daily practice and the practice yes. of mindfulness and meditation and breath work can help. And, you know, even added added instructions from the medicine of like, just sit 15 minutes down, regulate your nervous system, come to come into alignment with the feeling and frequency of home in your body. That was the specific message. I want to acknowledge, you said something earlier, we need to decolonize our thinking. You said we're in the process of decolonization in our thoughts and our thinking this might be a really big question to unpack, but what do you in particular mean by that? Particularly, I mean being able to stand in the dignity and the and and the clarity that it is our birthright to heal ourselves. I do believe then based on on on, on my studies and, and teachings and then we do have the ability to heal ourselves. We do have the ability to make ourselves better, um, to heal our physical bodies or mental psychological bodies or spiritual bodies. And there are specific practices and specific uh, mechanisms as if um, we were doing mathematics, like with the ones and the zeros. There are specific ways in which we can align ourselves to help over and over and over. And giving this memory, returning this memory to all communities on earth, it is the most important thing to do because we must have our health in our hands. So the colonizing means to me really shifting the paradigm of how we perceive ourselves, how we perceive health, how we perceive each other, how we perceive problems and solutions, how we perceive creativity. Somehow it is dreaming a new dream within the dream we're in. So shifting paradigms, which means can we be, because we are we are in this dream, that means has a colonizing um, uh, aspect and has created so much suffering for so many communities on earth. And 
um, there there is right now a desire and a, and a curiosity and an and a, and a urgency to say we have to return to our humanity, but we are still in this paradigm together. So how do we dream a different dream within this paradigm that is no acknowledging our humanity, but we dream within that a new paradigm that acknowledges what we stand for, which is dignity, which is reciprocity, which is humanity, which is also acknowledging we have the ability to heal ourselves if we have the right tools and the safe setting to do so. So how do we create safe settings for different communities? And each person doing a little bit will do incredible work. I can just do the much I can do. You can only do the much you can do. But if all of us are committed to creating a different and to shifting the paradigm for health and for life, basic principles and our indigenous principles and have guided humanity through millennia. And now in the West, we are digesting and thinking about and being inspired by and moved by. How do we shift our paradigm so we are actually in right relationship, but also sustaining health? So if we are decolonizing health, I mean, I just spoke about the macro, right? I, I love this concept of going to the macro, and then now we zoom into the microcosmos. So what that means in the microcosmos? Education, empowerment possibilities, safe settings, um, leadership that has integrity. In even the more detailed microcosmos, what reparations need to be happening here in this land? I am right now in um, Multnomah, Clackamas, Walapuya, Chinook territory. What does it mean for me as a one person coming as a guest to Turtle Island and listening to communities and listening to the land and listening to what's needed. What's needed in basic communities, the Wasco community, and it's really close to here, they need clean water. They need um, ways to remember their indigenous um, uh, traditions to support and fight um, addiction in the in the in the reservations. I mean, there's very basic things that are needed. How could we support with that? How could we go and have a conversation? How could we go and listen? In which way could we support? Could we be supportive? So we can go to the macro and speak about it in the bigger sense of things. We can go into the microcosmos and really see. How is my every step, your every step, tending to this um, need to return to health with dignity for everyone, everyone? So, yes, um, the colonizing means being able to have the muscle and that's the macro cosmos view and the microcosmos view really well developed. And then being able to, to be in our minds uh, with creative uh, 
with creativity to resolve the problems we are presented with, deeply connected with our hearts, so we can truly continue being human in the process. So really medicine is about being more human and not losing the value of what humanity means, like what being human means. So all this work we're doing is to be a better human, a more human, and do not lose the value of what human means, which is life, which is preservation of life, continuity of life for the next seven generations to come and more <laughs> beyond. Yeah, and it makes me think of this concept in Eastern philosophy of shared humanity, you know, weaving this in of like, I, the more human I allow myself to be in integrity, standing in dignity, owning my worth, and also standing with humility. It's just the more I give myself permission to really, you know, be authentically who I am. There's healing in that and knowing that we can create space for other people to stand in that as well. And that we are all the same and we are all different and that that's okay. And we can celebrate those differences and mm-hmm. also celebrate our shared humanity. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And we are all the same and we are all different. And in some ways um, that differences is what sustains life. Right. Just mm-hmm. like if you see uh, the biodiversity of something is what allows us that something to continue being alive. Mm-hmm. Um, so listening to our differences, making a space for them, acknowledging our strengths and weaknesses within that, acknowledging uh, our brilliance within that, and the pieces mm-hmm. I need still tending within that is, is the most important. What a, mm-hmm. what a beautiful thing that we're so different because the mm-hmm. biodiversity will preserve itself forever and ever and ever. That's how it's mm-hmm. happened through millennia. Um, mm-hmm. And we're together in it. So, yes, so much to learn mm-hmm. and listen and, and be with at the same time. Mm, yeah, in the last episode, Grandmother Jyoti said, you know, diversity is part of the solution. So let's it is. celebrate the diversity. Let's celebrate it. It's know? a joy, truly. Right. The the shift from cultural appropriation to cultural appreciation. Like, yes, let's celebrate all the differences of our cultures and respect them and honor them for the differences that they are and that they embody. You previously said specific practices about when I asked you about decolonizing the mind, there was specific practices you said. Do you can you name Anything specifically just to plant seeds of awareness, plant seeds of possibility in people's hearts and minds here right now of what's possible? The basic practice across the, the world, I believe, is our practice of breathing. Our practice and our ability to inhale through the nose and exhale through the mouth with sound. You know, in the Andean traditional healing practices, we do believe that as we are inhaling through the nose, the air then hits the follicles that are on our nose. Um, the follicles vibrate that air to a high intense velocity then turns air into light. So as we inhale through the nose, we are actually inhaling light. And we have the ability to direct the light wherever we want in our system, wherever we're hurting, whatever it feels then is compressed, whatever 
we feel is contracted and is released. So we can inhale through the nose, direct the light, whatever in the body, we, we need it. Hold it for a few seconds and then open our mouth, lift up your chin and make a sound for the exhale. And let the sound extend as much as your breath extends. And that exercise in itself is like a little golden nugget that you can use anytime, anywhere to realign yourself again to self and to health. So a practice of, there's a very simple practice of inhaling and exhaling to allow your body to return to health. You know, like that one, there are other practices then allow us to heal ourselves, to realign ourselves. The ability to emote, for example, we do say um, when we have tears coming to our eyes is the mirror of our soul. So truly what we're doing is cleansing our bodies. If we can feel something and allow ourselves to emote because we're feeling it, that release, that cleanse, that water moving through all of our bodies is actually opening the channels again to stand in good health. So instead of being in this uh, very busy upper realm always, finding ways to drop in into the body, into the emotions, into the breath, and from there allowing the body to guide the process to reorganize. I mean, our bodies are the most wise, incredible <laughs> devices we have. We have this ability of just, if we tune to them, they know exactly what to do and how to, they guide us perfectly to those points of decompression or release. Um, so tuning into the body with acute, with acute sensitivity is part of the natural healing processes we have available to us. Different people that's differently here, movement, dance, meditation, mindfulness, walking in nature, um, singing, doing art, um, playing music, uh, giggling, laughter. Um, and of course, other ways in which original people of the earth have done it, like going to the mountain for deep contemplation for several days, sitting with applied medicine, not just sitting with plant medicine, but giving oneself time to integrate what one gathered in that plant medicine ceremony. So really a slowing down the process to return to our senses. Um, you also mentioned indigenous principles, which we've been naming throughout this entire conversation, this understanding of health and sacred reciprocity and right relationship and listening and slowing down. Are there any others that you feel like naming that we could weave in here? Well, the one I spoke about earlier, the know yourself, to heal yourself, to align yourself to purpose, to be of service, is a very strong um, principle than, than is moving through the way I live life, we live life for, for millennia. Um, also the principles of the pillars of forgiveness and gratitude, specifically the ability to acknowledge then as we are moving through healing processes, we have an ability to be in gratitude and also allow ourselves to forgive 
and forgive ourselves, forgive the other, ask for forgiveness. You know, within that, within that, um, I guess the indigenous from the Andes, this this map will look like uh, three different levels of forgiveness. We have forgiving the other when somebody has done a trespass, like truly being in the work of releasing and forgiving the other, which doesn't mean forgetting, it means liberating oneself from the intensity of that experience so one can free oneself. It also requires, or, or, or the second level would be asking for forgiveness in any moment, in any time where somebody directly or indirectly, consciously or unconsciously, in the microcosmos or macrocosmos, in the visible or invisible worlds, um, when one has done damage, for asking for forgiveness. And this is a daily practice as well. And then eventually, and the most important, is forgiving oneself for any moment in which oneself, consciously or unconsciously, directly or indirectly, in the visible or invisible worlds, in the microcosmos or macrocosmos, cause oneself harm. Truly forgiving oneself. And as our teachers say, forgiveness is a miracle that happens in an instant. Because there is nothing we can do to stop what already happened. We could use that as another example. The past already happened. It already happened. There is nothing we can do to travel back in time and return and prevent and stop. That happened. And the future is an illusion. We're always here thinking that the future is arriving tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And you and I, you know, checked in last week and we didn't arrive to this moment and said, welcome to the future, Laura. Great. Oh, we're <laughs> finally in the future. Yeah, we made it. That never happens. The future is actually mm. just an illusion. We never get there. The mm -hmm. only thing we have is this present. And it's in this present moment that we have the ability to do the miracles and we need to, to shift and change our lives. So mm -hmm. it's in this present, and now in this present, and now in this present, and now in this present, forever and ever and ever, a consecutive moment that is the present moment where all possibilities are available. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that principle, again, it is connected deeply with the self-healing practices that we have. Mm -hmm. We have the ability to remember and stay in the present mm -hmm. to tend to mend, create, expand, envision, dream, laugh, mm -hmm. cry, feel at all times. Mm. There's so much there. The first one you shared really struck me as like know yourself to heal yourself and aligning with your purpose. There's so much there. When I, when I was on my walk this morning, one of the things that came to me was this, this awareness or this understanding, and, and you use the word integrity a few times in this conversation, which I, I think of when I think of integrity as like alignment. You know, when we're in integrity, it's like mind, body, heart alignment. We align our thoughts, our beliefs, our words, our actions, and that's where we're our strongest mm -hmm. and we're in integrity. And when we 
you were referenced actually leadership with integrity. And, and I think that when we are out of integrity in our lives and we go into ceremony and there's this realignment that's happening, this awareness around, okay, those are the places that I'm, I'm out of alignment. And there's energy that has to go into realigning those dissonant energies into harmonious, resonant energies. And that takes, that takes energy and time and focus and it was this thought that was just a really simple awareness as I was walking this morning of like, when we're out of integrity and we go into ceremony, it's like all this time is spent on like realigning and and healing that and, you know, bringing it back into alignment. But when we are clear and we, we're actually embodying a way of walking in integrity on this earth that there's that that channel is already open and then it's more moving into that clear open creativity space of like okay and that the prayer is clear and clarity is arriving and there's like there's this that you know continuum of not having to sort of focus all your energy of oh that's out of alignment i got to you know bring that back but it's more just that clear open channel i'm i'm curious if if this you know strikes a chord or brings anything up for you in that process. Is that something? I mean, it really just occurred to me this morning. It was simple, but yet it's, it is something that I've experienced before many, many times. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and it might be too, as you were, as you was as you were sharing that, you know, many times what one can see it with a plant medicine, with a master plan, and it is very unknown, the experience that you may have. Sometimes you might feel, uh, specifically, as you said, that alignment, so clean and clear. And then it is all about being in that joy or being in that receiving or being in that envisioning. Uh, often it is a mixture of things going back and forth between uh, different states. Um There's also moments, too, where, as you said, a lot of energy has to go into the alignment. But the alignment in itself, I mean, speaking of the integrity that a tree has, the speaking of the integrity that the seasons of the year have, the integrity of cycles of uh, birth, growth, life, death, this, this integrity is, is not a lineal thing. It's not like one thing, one point. It is a point, but it's also a multiverse within that point. Because it's cyclical. And not that integrity is cyclical. Integrity holds all these um, nuances. The way, the way at least I've, I've, I've learned it and perceive it is there is this point that has all these nuances and it's, they are about cycles. Um, so when we're standing in integrity or when we're feeling integrity in a, in, a, in a ceremony, in a circle, what we're feeling is really the wise plan master plan medicine realigning it all in the multiverse right it's not just the consciousness but it's also the unconscious is the physiology is the spirit is the heart or the 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 love that you said is the emotion the psychology it's all these uh, nuances so yes with integrity feels it is a constant learning and it's a constant learning Especially because, and this is interesting, especially because I believe one of the biggest, most challenging things for us humans 
is understanding how to stand in power and what power means. Our relationship with power hasn't been modeled in healthy ways. What is true power? So standing in power is standing in humbleness. But that concept in itself is not what we see in our everyday life in this Western culture and, or, and everything that Western culture has touched. So how are we able to decolonize the concept of what power means when we are feeling it, when we are in it? And you can feel probably, you know, you were just with the Kogi community. Those, those communities are the most potent, powerful communities. And you see them in the most humbling, giving and forgiving and generous ways to, the, to us, their older brothers, their younger brothers and sisters. So it is connected to that. Like being in integrity is also being in this humble heart an ability to acknowledge that we are this little plant in this vast forest. And mm -hmm. from there we can do so much. And also there's so much happening at all times at the same mm -hmm. time. We're tiny. Really, we are mm -hmm. tiny. Mm -hmm. um, and within that, you know, without minimizing our responsibility, but also acknowledging them, it is really good to go and see the plant medicine and feel tiny. Mm -hmm. It returns us home. It returns us to um, our humble hearts and being. And mm -hmm. That's needed to understand what to do when power or attention comes to us to be able to direct that in a good way, to never forget that. We right. are tiny. That is such a, a nugget of wisdom. I just love interacting with your consciousness. <laughs> I really do. I'm like, wow. And just your, yeah, just being exposed to how you think and your perception. I love this notion that, you know, being in your power is actually standing in humility. It's really profound. Earlier, you mentioned about, yeah, being in right relationship with the land. You, you mentioned that around when you were talking about Alma specifically. And yeah, I'm, I'm curious, what does that look like for you? to walk in right relationship with the land you named the land that you're on and any suggestions to plant seeds you know in people's minds here around how can we orient in a better way towards being in right relationship to this earth that we walk on mm -hmm. i will say know the indigenous communities and territories you stand on Mm -hmm. Do an offering, a hello. Sometimes an offering is just going outside by a tree, by a stream, and saying, hello, my name is Claudia Cuentas, and I'm here with a good heart, listening, and mean no harm. Um, if you go on, on nature walks, don't just take things, you know, simple things, like taking things just because, oh, that looks wonderful. I'm just going to take it home and then forget where it came from. <laughs> Actually be in relationship, ask, listen. Um, but specifically, I would say, know the Native communities that are around the territories where you are, know their history. And if you are able to extend um, your curiosity towards a relationship with them, what are they doing? What are they working on? 
what is the the if they could say what they need, what would they need, and in what way can you be of support? In what way could you be more educated to to again not just go to the macro? Oh, this is their name, but go to the microcosmos and go, who are you? Where are they? In what territory? Could we say hello? Are they having now? Uh, a specific event I can be part of. You just at least go and 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 say hello. Um, also, be involved with organizations that are wanting to create possibilities for health for those communities. You know, this is there's so much need um, right now, and so much awareness. And, and desire of, of awareness in regards of how one can help. Um, like the project Pro Medicine or the project Alma or the project then are really wanting to return from this energetic level to all those economics and an ability for those communities to decide what to do with these uh, economic wellness, because the truth is we all need drinking, we all need to drink clean water. We all deserve good schools. We all deserve safety in our neighborhoods. We all deserve um, programs for young men and women. We all deserve um, uh, a system of health to support our physical, mental, psychological bodies. There's so much um, the inequality that needs to come into balance. So what can we do to bring and help with accessibility and equality into the communities we're in? And there are so many possibilities to be of support in so many ways. Um, so be curious, be curious, get to know the territory you're in, make an offering, ask for help. Meaning you can go to a stream or a tree and say, I'm not sure how, but I would like to be in contact with the original people of this land. I'm going to offer a little bit of tobacco or a song, or I'm going to just leave a little piece of hair in a tree and say, if this is possible, please guide me to be in better relationship with the people around me. We're always learning and growing. There's millions of possibilities and ways to um, foster curiosity in a humble way you know, to be mm. able to listen mm. and meet one another. Mm. Mm. Thank you for that. When I was in Peru working with the Shipibo grandmother, she said to me, the more you sing, the more you know. And you're a musician and I've been able to witness you play and sing and and it's such a core foundation of ceremony and such a core thread that weaves throughout all indigenous cultures mm -hmm. and ceremony and working with different medicines. Yeah, I know this is such a, a big area to unpack, you know, and I'm so curious, you know, the, the power of song as a modality of transmutation. Yes, yes. Um, ha sound has the ability to liquefy matter. So as to liquefy matter, to liquefy matter. So it has hmm. the ability to actually shift and change and transmute and transform um, density into lightness. Hmm. 
um, in the and the traditional healing, the energy is not good or bad. It's just dense or light, conscious or unconscious. So mm. what we are doing with sound is bringing consciousness into unconscious energy. Mm. So you could use sound to do incredible healing work. And the sound doesn't come from you or me. It just comes through the bigger um, universal grandmother, grandfather, a consciousness so when one does sound one is a vessel that's that is why the more you sing the more you know because you are at you're you're at the school you're singing you're opening up as a vessel and that which is coming through you is really teaching you and um it's just an incredibly beautiful way to potent way powerful way mystery way to work with energy or this electrical current that moves through everything and everyone. Mm. And as you said, nothing um, nothing leaves, everything gets transformed. It's the ability to transform and transmute something into something else. Healing is that, the ability to transform and transmute something into something else. Um, it is not extractive. It is not erase. You, you don't erase something. You don't extract something. You you can extract something and change change its composition. But uh, truly, what you are doing at all, at all times is transmuting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, qualities from one quality to another quality, from a quality that feels maybe not so comfortable to a quality that feels more comfortable. Mm. One of the things that I learned about the Kogis is that they have songs for every living being. They have a different song for every living being. I'm just like, wow, the, the breadth and the depth of their wisdom and knowledge is just actually unfathomable. Mm, like, mm. wow. The Kogis are incredible, mm. incredible teachers. Whew. Mm. What an ancient. And all about maintaining the balance. <laughs> You know, yes. all of that. And then how do we find that internal balance, which again is like this core theme of like nervous system regulation. Yes. Like yes. such a core, <laughs> you know, right? Yes. It's like that. Yeah. And then, and then bringing in this topic of service and they have pagamentos, you know, which is yeah. offerings. Offerings yeah. is like, we take so much from this earth mm -hmm. and then how do we show up in a daily practice to offer, to be in service, mm -hmm. to give to give, you know, not to give back, but actually to give first. Yes. To be in that right relationship, yes. you know, with, with, and, and, and really walk in a way that is embodying mm -hmm. sacred reciprocity. Yes. At all times, all the time. Mm -hmm. I love that you brought the theme of giving to the earth, you know, and the practices of singing to the earth, doing, uh, we call it despachos, same like pagamentos. Mm -hmm. Uh, in different times of the year, in different moments, just all, always constantly giving as a way to um, acknowledge um, the aliveness and the reciprocal relationship. And as you said too, the giving before, giving first, not giving because you gave me, but actually giving first, like being in, mm -hmm. in that uh, relational balance at all times, all the time. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
One of the things that I've really learned about reciprocity through this experience of launching Grow Medicine and learning from people that I've had the privilege of working with at the Indigenous Medicine Conservation Fund, including Sutton King, is that reciprocity is relational. It's not transactional. It is. Really how we are in relation with everything around us. Yes. Yes. And it is being in relationship that makes the most potent um, possibilities for change and growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, this is, we're, we're getting close to wrapping up here, but I feel like I could talk to you forever. We're going to have to have you back on the show for sure. There's so much more I'd love to dive into. There's this framework that I work with, you know, psychedelic oriented leadership development. And I think of it as how we can weave ceremony into the way that we show up and lead ceremonially informed leadership. And I'm curious, first of all, I'm curious to ask you what your core values are that you stand for in your life. And I'm curious to ask you how ceremony and how your relationship with plant medicines has informed the way that you show up and lead, mm-hmm. whether it's at Alma or in your personal or professional practice? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it informs everything. <laughs> it, is, um, it is a beautiful, um, it's the most important reference point navigating these days and these times. Um, what happens in a, when one is learning with a master plant and how things move within that realm. There's so much information there to understand how to be in leadership nowadays because things will happen and, and community and people will, will um, and, and again, this, this theme truly, it, it comes back to this theme of how are we holding power and how is that power right now i am in in this territory where um, uh, psilocybin assisted psychotherapy will become legal in january 2023 and all last year and this year witnessing the different people coming to the forefront and moving through their own um learning processes regarding holding power and and also then there's this bigger picture of so much so many corporations and organizations wanting to come in and bring in so much money to Oregon because people are unfortunately many of them wanting to make a lot of money out of the health system and the health needs of our people so then you have all these different layers and then all these different humans, people, therapists, researchers, doctors, community members, community leaders and are in the forefront having to transmute and transform daily all these, um, I would say, all these uh, greed in the forefront to stay in integrity to why they're doing what they're doing. So you can see it. Um, for the last couple of years, and it's been incredibly incredible learning um, to just witness and to also be in the learning process myself, like everybody else, and how do we return to our 
the word of our teachers, the medicine, the ceremony, truly what happens in a in a circle of healing and how you tend to that um, those energetic nuances that are happening at all times to stay healthy, clear, in integrity and in the heart of being human. Because in the biggest picture, um, how do we return to the core values, the core pillars and sustain us, you know? You know, in the psychedelic movement, you have all these, you know, is it, is it uh, some people wants to be seen? Is it people that wants to be famous? Is it people that wants to, um, has an agenda or their own persona? You know, people are uh, diving into their own internal material. You know, am I good enough? Not good enough? Am I in the forefront? What? There's so many nuances. Just like when you go to a ceremonial circle and you sit down and there's so many parts of you just going back and forth going, <gasps> Oh, wait, and eventually, hopefully, there's the quiet, there's the grief, there's the release, there is the unmasking, and there is the essence. So hoping to hold the vision to return to essence is the most important one, because regardless of of who is in the forefront or, or what organization comes. You know, last year I had the opportunity to work with many of these institutes, organizations, and I've chosen to do this project with ALMA because it speaks to the core of indigenous knowledge and acknowledgement of the wisdom of our original people and to be able to share that with different communities so they remember their original knowledge. It's really not about the medicine. It's about healing. It's about health. It's about returning. It's about remembering. So, yes, at all times, <laughs> at all times, just tracking things and how they move and then returning to simplicity, returning to trust, returning to prayer, returning to really no no reactive you know when you are in a circle with plant medicine you're not reacting you're not um moving too fast you're not um you're actually softening sensorial awareness you're breathing you're waiting a lot of it is waiting because at some point things will shift and something else more intelligent than you is moving through I mean, Oregon right now, we have the incredible plant ally, psilocybin, that is way more intelligent than all of us together moving through and trusting that this is, this movement is bringing, um, creating a network of mycelium underneath us all to support health, to return health, to return memory, to return right relationship and being in reciprocity. So we're listening. Not moving too fast, not too slow, just listening, listening, slowing down. So, yes, it does inform <laughs> immensely. Mm-hmm. Everything, <laughs> yeah. everything. Yes. I, feel, I feel the same way. I'm curious. I mean, we've been talking about core values this whole, this whole episode, but can you name a couple of the core values that you really hold dear to your heart? <sighs> There's many, and I think I've mentioned them throughout, you know, 
um, a deep core value is the deep love and hope in humanity, <laughs> in our mm-hmm. in our possibility, which is in some ways truly trusting and believing in the invisible. Because I believe trusting in the and believing in the invisible, yeah. which has to do with yes, yes, this leap of faith towards humanity. I mean, if we, mm. if I believe everything was lost, I wouldn't be doing the work I'm doing. If I believe that we don't have hope, I wouldn't be doing the work I'm doing. Um, so I do mm. believe in our possibility. I do have high hope. I do believe in this is a a time that it will take us to the next time, the next moment. I do believe there is a paradigm shift. I do believe and uh, we are in a new Pachakuti, a new cycle here on earth to acknowledge, to remember, to heal, to value life again and again and again. I do believe that love mm-hmm. is more potent than our fear. So core mm-hmm. values is deep trust in the mystery and deep trust in humanity and with mm-hmm. that a lot of compassion a lot of um, zooming in and zooming out <laughs> as the most important muscle to have active nowadays to see the bigger picture mm-hmm. and the smaller picture over and over and over mm-hmm. in everything and everyone so we can understand why and how things move the way they move and continue trusting in that force of um, life within each of us and with everything that is alive. And mm-hmm. and the truth is, this is about life, no humanity only and just. And life will continue, life will preserve. You know, the elders mm-hmm. talk about that all the time. We're here momentarily doing the best we can with the tools we have, but life will continue, will preserve. Mm-hmm. and. In this moment we're here, how could we do everything we can do with the tools we have to support health for all our communities, the communities we belong to and the bigger communities around us? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so beautifully put. You you really bring such poetry to the way you articulate yourself. It's really poetic. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Just really appreciate just how you've cultivated your own mastery mm-hmm. on your path. I'm just really mm-hmm. seeing you and witnessing you and your just in your strength and and in your softness and in your wisdom. It's really just admirable. So thank you thank for that. You. Always learning. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've I've really learned a lot from you in this past hour and a half. And before we wrap up, I'm curious, I wanted to give you space if there was anything else you wanted to share. I know at one point uh, I read that you were supporting Inti Flores, a mass tech scholar and member of the Huatla community. And I'm I'm curious if that is still a project that you're supporting, if that is something that you want to share. And does Alma um, partner with different projects, you know, at different various times, anything that you'd like to speak to and 
rally support behind. I'd love to give you space to share whatever feels most Thank alive. You. Yes, we did um, on July 22nd was Maria Sabina's birthday. And we pair up with Alma Institute, pair up with the Fungi Foundation to do a fundraiser for a project that Inti Flores has been Iti Flores and it's an scholar, a wildlife scholar that um, has been envisioning for a long time, which is preserving the archives that he has uh, from the community and from Maria Sabina. So we were able to raise the money. We were able to raise $26,000 that day and the week before. Amazing. Yes. Oh and the gosh. project continues. And this is part of actively Alma being in being in constant awareness then the work we're doing has to do with reciprocity and reciprocity has to do with going directly to the communities right now for example we're working with psilocybin psilocybin medicine is the medicine then then we are able to work with and that medicine has been tended to by the Masati communities for millennia and in what ways can we be in contact with those communities and ask what is needed? So this is just a little piece of a bigger envisioning project where um, Indy is leading this, this part of the project, but there is a desire to have a bigger, a bigger um, uh, envisioning and a bigger conversation around what is reciprocity. I mean, here in the West, we have all these different medicines accessible, similar to raw medicine. Like we have all these medicines accessible. How can we acknowledge the people and the lineages and have preserved these medicines for millennia? The reason we have access to them is because many of them went through intense life situations. Many of them went through um, a intense violence to preserve these medicines that are so potent. And now, as we are here having access to them, it is only our responsibility to return to those communities and say, how can we be in good relationship with you? We are benefiting from this gift that costs you lives and generations. How could we acknowledge that and support your health as well? Because health is needed everywhere with all of us. And I'm talking about, again, in the microcosmos, in the smaller picture, clean water, education, an ability to feel safe in a community, women feeling safe, children making it to older ages and no passing hunger. So what are the ways in which we can show up? So Alma, one of those ways was pairing up with the Fungi Foundation and supporting Inti and like that, we will have other local projects as well. Um, but it was a joy to work with Inti. He's wonderful. And we are still receiving, and all the proceeds went to, went to support that project. So people can find more information about Fungi Foundation in Fungi, Fungi Foundation or Alma's webpage to continue supporting Inti. Um, and what Inti is doing is incredible. He is really committed to educating uh, the world, but also invested in the Wautla community and the youth there for them to know and return to their ways of knowing and healing. So empowering the youth to grow proud and um, uh, curious about where they come from, 
what medicines were used in their communities because colonization has impacted everybody and everyone. And if you go to many of these communities, you know, the kids want to wear the Nikes and want to go out into the cities and have cell phones. And that is their birthright. There's a birthright of curiosity. But at the same time, how can we continue educating and supporting the education so this knowledge continues to be preserved through generations without imposing, but truly asking, what do you need to feel you're living in dignity and in health? Such important work. And one of the one of the things that I've learned too is that so much knowledge and wisdom is embedded within language and that the Mazateco language is now starting to go extinct. And that is also a, a real consequence of colonization. Yes. And so the, the preservation of language is actually an embedded part of the preservation of sacred plant medicines and in part of biocultural diversity you know and the thriving of different cultures that language is is a core a foundational part yes. of that language is um a direct is directly connected to culture and culture is held through these ways in which we relate to concepts so there are certain words that don't exist in different languages than we have in english i mean we are shaped by our by our language. So if we lose our language, we lose a whole mm-hmm. pool of knowledge that is um, mm-hmm. what defines a culture. Mm-hmm. So yes. Mm-hmm. yes. World views. Yes. Entire worldviews are lost when a language yes. is lost. I know I think about that. Like when a language has a word that we don't have, and then learning that word actually opens up like a whole new portal of understanding something that it's like something that goes from the unseen, bam, into the seen, into the understanding, yes. into the knowing of it, just because of a word. I know there's something about that that is just yes. yeah, it's amazing. Amazing. Well, please keep me posted on new fundraising campaigns, new projects that you're supporting. We'll also include links to um, to that project that people can support as well. And just anything I can do to support you, Claudia, on your path as well, anything at all, please don't hesitate to reach out. I really just honor the work that you're doing and the path that you walk. All so my institute you. right now is going through a big fundraising phase because what we're hoping is to have a next year, the first cohort of the students doing a psilocybin assisted psychotherapy training. And for that, we are committed to offering full scholarships, partial scholarships, stipends for people in the community. And the training is truly for community members that are already working in the health um, with with health themes in their own communities. We're especially wanting Black, Brown, Indigenous community members to come and take this training. And the, the idea is that they, do the, they take this training and then they take it to their own communities and empower and support their communities in their healing processes. So the big commitment is we are wanting to create as many funds as we, ha- we can to then be able to give scholarships to the people that need the work mostly uh also it's already doing the work but alma training will help them uh, get more solid in how they present this work and how they take their work in their community so we're in conversations with indigenous communities here and immigrant community here and we're hoping then this will launch next year 
full on uh and uh, again we're open to working with everybody and all the allies from all communities but our focus is creating accessibility for underserved and unrepresented communities in the psychedelic movement so. mm, what a powerful mission well absolutely include links to that and encourage people to check it out and to also donate and support that incredibly powerful initiative and cause. Thank you you so much. You're just, yeah, such a joy to drop in with you. Truly just learned so much from you and just being in your presence is really just such a a gift. So thank thank you you. so much, Laura. Thank you for the invitation and thank you for the, Mm. yeah, the opportunity to be in conversation and to be in relationship. Thank you. Hi, friends. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Psychedelic Leadership Podcast. Feels really good to be wrapping up season two, and I am so thrilled about what's to come for season three. If you've been enjoying this show, I would so appreciate it if you could take a moment to leave me a review on iTunes. And if you like, you can send me a DM on Instagram at livefreelauraD with a screenshot of your review, and I would happily reshare it in my IG stories and give your account a shout out. And as I mentioned, enrollment is currently open for Your Message is Your Medicine starting October 26th. And if you are a medicine woman entrepreneur and you feel called to contribute your voice to the psychedelic space and cultivate yourself as a thought leader, and you want to learn how to refine and define your core message and cultivate a unique offering that really supports the healing and transformation of people that you're working with, then this program is absolutely for you. And you can find all the details to Your Message is Your Medicine by going to the link in the show notes. I'm going to leave you with this song called Cura Corazon by Claudia Cuentes. Once again, my name is Laura Dawn, and you're listening to the Psychedelic Leadership Podcast. Until next time. Cura, cura, corazón. Cura, cura, sentimiento. Cura, cura, corazoncito. Transformalo todito. Cura, cura, corazón. Cura, cura, entendimiento. Cura, cura, corazoncito. Transformalo todito. Cura, cura, corazoncito. Transformalo todito. Cura, cura, corazón. Cura, cura, entendimiento. Corazoncito, transformalo todito. Cura, cura, corazoncito, transformalo todito. Niñita pura, niñita pura, niñita pura, ponte de pie. Niñita pura, niñita pura, niñita pura, levántate. Niñita pura. Alza tu manto, ponte de pie, niñita pura de las alturas, canta tu canto, levántate.
niñita pura, niñita pura, ponte de pie. Niñita pura, niñita pura, niñita pura, levántate. Niñita pura, niñita pura, niñita pura, ponte de pie. Niñita pura, niñita pura, niñita pura, levántate. Yeah.